0: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Accounting for Us with the Metro DC chapter of NABA. Earlier this week, I read a really interesting article on Bloomberg Tax that talked about diversity within the accounting profession, and it really inspired me to work on today's episode, which I think truly lives up to NABA's motto of lifting as we climb. So this week, your host, Tiffany, and I will be joined by two friends, colleagues, and fellow board members to talk about the CPA exam. But before we dive in, let's start with a nice break allow everyone to introduce themselves. Tiffany spoke last week about tapping into your creative side and uncertainties. So I'm sure we've all picked up some new talents or hobbies during quarantine. Each of our guests for today's episode, would you mind introducing yourself and then telling us what your talent would be if you were to compete in the Miss World competition?
1: Hi, good morning, it's Mavis Robinson here. I am a manager at Deloitte, one of the big four accounting firms. I've been working for the past seven years. I'm also a CPA, I work for one of our federal clients. Been in the Metro DC area for a couple of years now, originally from Mississippi. If I were to compete in Miss World, I think my talent would be drawing. That's a talent many people don't know about because I don't really exercise that talent a lot, but I do like to draw in my free
0: time. That's a really good one. Have you been working on drawing during quarantine?
1: Not during quarantine. During quarantine, I've been trying a few new mm. vegan recipes. I don't know if you all have heard of carrot dogs. So it's kind of like a hot dog, but it's a carrot. So I tried that for the first time and it it, it tastes just like a hot dog. I'm going to add it to my list. Perfect.
0: <laughs> uh, Yelena. <laughs> What about you? Good
2: morning, or good afternoon. I'm Yelena Schultz. I am a senior associate at KPMG in the federal audit practice. I've been in D.C. for a long time now, and one of my talents—but I would say, if I was going to be in a pageant, that I would practice my singing and I would okay. put that to the test. <laughs> I love to
0: hear it. <laughs> What what song would it be?
2: Ooh. It would have to be something throwback because after listening to some old baby face recently, I feel like I would pick up one of, one of his songs. I am
0: here for it. And what about you, Tiffany? I think my talent would be mental x-ray vision
3: because sometimes I feel like I can kind of stare at somebody long enough to kind of feel like what they need. So it would have to be some kind of like un- un- unorthodox or untraditional, non-traditional type of uh, talent. So <laughs> I don't know you
0: can actually win with that talent but that would be my talent (laughs) and you could have somebody come on stage pull them from the crowd get them engaged i feel it it. i'm here for it (laughs) i didn't actually think about my individual talent beforehand but it'd probably be dancing that's the one time you kind of get to like let loose um and so if i were to compete i'd probably do some dancing whether that's like dancing to Afrobeats or dancing like Ballroom. Unfortunately, I'm not competing in any talent talent shows anytime soon, so I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) So with that, I'll go ahead and get us started on this week's Industry Insights. So earlier this week on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve Chair gave a briefing on the state of the economy. Amongst other things, he committed to keeping interest rates low near zero. As such, this week's Industry Insights article comes from the AICPA's Insight blog and discusses what low interest rates actually mean for individuals. And I thought the article did a really good job of providing a high-level overview of how to optimize your personal financial position and take advantage of the low interest rates. So specifically, the article discusses refinancing and home equity loans. And then it talks about potential investment strategies, whether that's taking a longer-term approach and possibly buying CDs or researching before investing in riskier stocks because prices are low. I'll include the link in the description for the episode, but also encourage you to research more on your own and consult your individual financial advisor before doing anything too drastic. (laughs) And then the second article I found was about the SBA's payroll protection program. It actually did a really good job on giving good news about how small businesses are being helped in the middle of quarantine I've been reading a lot of negative things about the economy. So it's just been really good to hear something positive. The articles are linked in the description for your reference and I hope that you, I hope you find value and they are a good starting point for some further research. For those who are not aware, NABBA was founded in 1969 at a time when less than 0.2% of the CPAs in the U.S. were African-American. As of the AICPA's most recent trends report, African-Americans made up approximately 2% of all of CPA firm's staff. So so I think it's really important to recognize that there has been progress that has been made, but it's also really, really, really important for us to acknowledge that 2% is a small number and that there's still a ton of work to be done in diversifying the profession. So our episode today will really talk about how to... for words of encouragement for anyone interested in pursuing provide a good foundation for others who are thinking about the CPA but don't really know the criteria or what's required of them and then also to just give some advice and encouragement so with that Tiffany would you mind providing our listeners with a brief overview of what of the CPA license and why it's kind of a big deal the CPA license is is a distinguishing certification
3: within the accounting Profession and has the potential to open doors and to fast track your career and advancement. CPAs consult on a variety of issues, including taxes and accounting, but more broadly, we help individuals and organizations plan and achieve their financial goals. They are respected business leaders, advisors, and strategic thinkers. Roles vary everywhere from a CFO at a Fortune 500 company to local advisors within the community. In order to be licensed, there are specific requirements, of course, related to education and experience, which varies from state to state. But most importantly, there is an exam, which we will spend quite a bit of time discussing on this episode. And even more more specifically, it is important to NAVA because one of the original goals of the organization was to promote academic and professional excellence, and the CPA is almost like the gold star for accounting and finance professions. So it only makes sense that we commit time on the podcast to discuss the CPA exam, our experiences, takeaways, and provide some encouragement for others who are considering or are in the process of pursuing a certification.
0: So with us today, we have Yelena Schultz and Mavis Robinson who will be talking to us about their CPA experiences, their process to pursuing licensure, and we'll all be providing um, some individual takeaways and advice. Yelena and Mavis both work at Big Four accounting firms locally, which they said um, Yelena is a senior associate in audit, and Mavis is a manager in the advisory practice. Both, Like I said, both are licensed in the District of Columbia, and both sit on the board for Metro DC chapter. Yelena and Mavis, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us.
0: So can each of you tell us when you set for your first exam and when you set for your last exam?
1: Okay, I had to go through
2: digging through some emails to find out (laughs) exactly when I took it. (laughs) But I did take my first exam in November 2015, and I took my last one in August 2017.
1: Yeah, and for me, I took my first one in, um, it was fall of 2012, I don't know the exact month. And then my last one was in 2016. So if you'll notice, there was a huge gap in between when I took the first one versus when I passed the last one. So as you can imagine, if oh, I passed man. any in between, and I lost
0: the That's part. actually why I framed the question this way. Tiffany, uh, so on the episode today, we're all licensed. So I guess, Tiffany, will you mind, do you mind telling us when you set for your first and your last? Um, I... My first exam I sat for in July of 2015, and I did not pass my last exam until um, February 2019. Um, kind of similar to you, Mavis. I, um, with the exam window, I ended up losing a part of the exam too. So, I felt that. Yeah,
3: I don't. I don't want to give y'all dates because I'm kind of seasoned. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like y'all be able to age me. So. <laughs> but no uh, so I actually did it twice so the first time uh, the person I was with was
0: is also an accountant so this had to be like
3: 2010 maybe okay, well, maybe, was maybe study- you don't have
0: to give us maybe you don't have to give us dates but could you tell us about approximately a time frame for how long oh, yeah. to pass yeah so it, it
3: actually took me uh, two years to pass um, so I, I actually ended up passing in 2012 okay. so it was, it was, and I took the, I took three rounds of the exam. So three rounds of each part. So pretty much 12, wow.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but it took two, it took two awesome. years. And I thank you for uh, talking about it that way, because then that leads us into our next point. So um, for our listeners who are not as familiar with the structure of the exam, there are four sections and you have flexibility to schedule each section whenever you're ready to take it. However, there's only an 18-month window from passing your first exam to sitting for your last exam. Otherwise, you'll start losing credit, which is what Mavis spoke to earlier. Mavis, I know you mentioned this. So maybe Yelena, um, could you also tell us whether or not you lost credit due to the 18-month window and then a couple of follow-up questions after that?
2: Sure. So I didn't lose any credits, but I almost did. I was taking the CPA exam when there was a period of them doing changes, so I had to wait many weeks to find out my scores. So in that process, I was almost about to lose a credit. I even had to write the board to extend my credit just in case I passed. I mean, I mean just in case I failed, but luckily I didn't lose a credit, but I knew I was really, really close to. Oh too.
0: my goodness. So like, fortunately for you, like, I lost credit just from pure procrastination. Um, and so that was like, I set for the exam and I was just like putting it off, putting it off, putting it off until the very last minute. And so I lost credit because of that. I, I wonder, Mavis, you since you mentioned it, can you speak to us about like why you felt like you lost credit? Was it more on the restrictions on taking on how frequently you could take exams or when you could take exams? Or was it all on like discipline and like scheduling?
1: Yes, I can give my background story. So I know I didn't go into detail a lot. So when I first moved here, um, you know, I realized that my firm would cover my CPA expenses. So I signed up for a course, a study course. Um, I think at the time it was called CPA Excel. So I started um, using that course. And I think for me, I couldn't really get in the groove of like a consistent study method. And I think it was more so because, you know, I was new to the city. I wanted to hang out with new people. And I tried to manage that with work and coming from I'm in advisory now, but I started my career in audit. Having to go through a lot of busy seasons and then manage the actual study method that I had, as well as, you know, trying to adjust to a new city. I think for me, it was just a lot of, yeah, I said I was studying, but how hard was I studying? So when I finally um, got one under my belt, which I think was in 2013, it was audited at the time. From there is when my um, clock actually started. So I started studying for, I think it was BEC Next. And between those two exams, I just could not you know, past them. Like BEC, I kept going back and forth, back and forth, couldn't pass it. Then I moved on to reg. And by the time I finally got BEC under my belt, like a lot of months had passed. So after that, I ended up going through another busy season. And that, for me, put me behind even more. So for me, it was just a lot of um, trying to adjust. But I eventually you know, found a consistent rhythm in terms of studying. And then after that, I was able to pass all four
0: parts. So that's, that's really affirming to hear. And thank you for sharing that story, because I know a lot of our listeners um, may feel like I've taken a part of the exam, and then I'm not passing or what should I do? Is this even for me? So, I mean, I think it's really good to hear stories where, like, people actually just persevered through not getting the score that they wanted or needed at the time. And then also to know that, like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right?
1: I think you raised an interesting point, Ozo, about, you know, asking, is this really for me? Because I actually went through that phase. You know, I would um, contact my mentors at the time and a lot of my colleagues. And I was saying to myself, you know, is this something that's truly for me? I had Mm. even stopped studying for a small amount of time. But then after, you know, it was something within myself. It wasn't just for my career. It was something I wanted personally for myself. So I couldn't just let it go. So I just picked it back up. And like you said, kept persevering. That was
0: that's definitely a part of my story as well. Uh, Like I very much I. I just stopped studying it wasn't even that (laughs) it wasn't that I was just trying and could not take the exam I just like 100% didn't know if if licensing was for me and then I just decided I need to put it on hold um or on pause while I just figure out um my technical interest in like if this is the direction I want my career to go in but then to your point, like, as soon as I started and as soon as I made up my mind, then I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to pursue this. I got to discipline myself. And then all you have to do is take it one time. So maybe we could talk about a little bit about discipline. Since there's so much flexibility in how we structure it and the order in which you take the exam, I think that there's a lot of discipline required and just in- intrinsic motivation. So can each of you talk to us about your study method and how you stayed motivated throughout the process. Yeah, Yelena.
2: So I kind of had a similar story. I guess a little bit of background is that I didn't pass any of the cards the first time I took it. So I had to realize or kind of understand what was working for me. And I think it took a lot of time for me to figure out what was the best method for me to study. I kind of went off of what other people would tell me, and which would maybe be like reading the, watching the lecture, lectures and doing the questions. And like, that didn't really work out for me. I think that I had to really figure out by trial and error, like what worked for me. So I didn't do it that way. I just, you know, I studied, I did the questions first and then I was able to go back and focus on the areas that I wasn't good at. So I think it took a little bit of time and determination within me to learn what my study habits were, and then use that moving forward. And also at the same time, what really helped me was to kind of have a um, support group. Mm -hmm. I think it helped to reach out to other people or other groups that were studying. And as long as I had someone to kind of understand the process of what I was going through, that really motivated me not to give up. And I felt like once I started something, I needed to finish. And having the right group of people on whether it be like I joined Facebook support groups, I joined um, meetup groups about CPA studying, like finding like wine people that were also motivated to study and pass is what helped me stick through it because I was almost ready to stop at the end. I was like, this this isn't for me. But looking back and I spent like two years studying and I was like, we have to finish this. I have to make it through. So it's just a matter of finding someone that was finding the right support group and just figuring out what worked best for me.
0: And I think that that's another really good point, because like Yelena, I don't know if you remember. So Yelena and I were studying for the exam at the same, like we were in the same firm in the same start class. And so um, as people of color, like we naturally just gravitated, we're on the same client. Um, And so we just like developed a, a good friendship and so I would always like talk to her about the exam and then we both discovered that we were the a part of the same Facebook study group <laughs> 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 we're like, oh you're in that too yeah me too um so I think that that's a really good important point to just like talk about it with your friends and they will also provide you some encouragement like um, it's it's good it's great to talk about it with friends who don't understand the process, but it's even better or I found that it was even better for me to talk about it with people who truly understood um, the sacrifices that I was making at the time or not making at the time. <laughs> and then that kind of like helped with the accountability piece of it because like if you don't naturally have the the discipline, I think you will start to develop it. When you find, uh, when you say things out loud and like people are holding you accountable to to what you say. Tiffany, would you want to talk to us a little bit about your discipline and motivation throughout the process as well?
3: So, so I say it took me two years because the first six months was just trash. It was, it was literally me picking up the book and saying, you know, I can study for this exam and taking the first two tests and failing miserably, like 50, like my scores are like 50. like on both. So I kind of had to regroup and I had been out of um, college for a few years. I was already like in the workforce and far removed. Like I didn't take it immediately after college. Luckily, I was working in a place where they encouraged us taking the test. So there were quite a few people in my department that were either in some, either going back, because this was the time when a lot of, when, well, I graduated with 130 credits and you needed 150. And so it was quite a few people who were in, impacted by that and was like going back to graduate school to kind of get those credits. And so I was one of those people. And luckily, you could uh, take the Becker courses as also a way to get those credits. So to s- so it kind of worked out. <laughs> um, and so once I got into like the Becker courses, it became just like a, a totally different experience because in that... Process. I was able to sit for like three, four, five hours at a time and study. You know, it's I would take the class and then I would keep that same like schedule when the class wasn't going and use that time to kind of like study. So that's kind of how I got disciplined. And um, I I literally would spend twenty to twenty five like it was like I would schedule it out twenty to twenty five hours a week of like literally studying for the exam. So I would take the course. Then I would maybe have a two to three month window where I would study and do it like 20, 25 hours um, per week. And so that ended up being what helped me to kind of pass the exam um, eventually.
0: Frequently, as an exam candidate, you often solicit advice from others regarding like their testing strategies, that like how comfortable. Like you would be with the exam content. I guess were there any pieces of advice that you received from people that that worked for you?
3: Um, no, actually, no. All of the <laughs> advice, like none. Of it. I I think the main thing about the exam is you have to figure out how you learn. Like you, I'm more of like a visual person, so I have to read something and then after that take notes and then keep reviewing my notes and then you know, then do the practice test. Mm-hmm. That's just how, in that process, is how I figured out my way of learning. And so I feel like part of the exam is like figuring out what method works for you because, you know, for some people, they can just take the take the practice test and it's fine. And for other people, they have other methods. So like none of the advice for how to pass it actually was helpful. Mm-hmm. It was just having to do like the trial and error over those months to figure out what worked and in what sections because <laughs> sometimes the way you study in one section has no value in another section. So it's like, you kind of have to figure out what works for you
0: and go with that. Absolutely. Um, Mavis, Yelena. Yeah.
1: So I'll echo what Tiffany said. Um, you kind of have to figure out like what works for you. Like, yeah, you'll always get those people that are encouraging you, encouraging you to like stick to it. Um, you know, saying if you need anything to just reach out, but at the end of the day, it's, It's a matter of you figuring out, like, how do I study best for this exam and what do I need to do to pass? But one thing that did help me get through it is, I don't know if you all remember a site called Another 71, but it was almost like, (laughs) it was a um, blog, like a, I don't want to say a CPA blog, but like an accounting blog to where some of the students were going through the exam process. So you would always see them post like, oh, you know, are you waiting on your score? But there was one particular post. I remember um, it was I think it was a guy he posted like I've taken the CPA exam 20 times. And when I first saw it, I was like, wow, I hope that's not me. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it was almost me. Like I didn't take it 20 times. But if you look at my score report, you'll see almost like 20 sits. And the reason it's like that is because you know, there would be times where I just didn't show up for the exam. So, of course, that factors in to what's listed on the report. Wow. But I was saying to myself, like, if he was able to take it 20 times and finally get through it, I know I can stick this thing out and pass. So it was a matter of just, you know, looking online, trying to find those groups that were encouraging
0: to me. That is awesome. Um, I feel like every like I know. I needed, like, a wake-up call um, during, like, my process for sitting. So it's great to hear, like, hey, like, once I found that bit of advice or this piece of motivation, like, that really just, Mm -hmm. like, lit the fuel for me to, like, keep going. I think that that's awesome because a lot of people, it's just so easy during the process to get discouraged and to just be like, well, if I'm not going to pass or if I didn't pass this, like, I felt so comfortable this time sitting for this piece of the exam. Um and then I got a 71. Not another 71. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so um so it's just great to hear that like hey, I might not have passed this time, but like I got my score report and I know what didn't work for me and now I can like really focus in the areas where I know I need to develop. That's why it's it's just great to hear from other people who who found Like who who persevered through it, Um, so Yelena, what about you? Did you get any advice from folks that actually worked for you? Because I know I know we oftentimes we get advice from people like from people and it doesn't work. Um, But I just wanted to know if there were any pieces that did work for you.
2: I mean, like to echo what they said, that was just figure out what works for me. But I think um, someone did tell me that I just needed to be consistent and don't give up. Um, I know it's very generic but in this situation it applies and for me to keep it consistent I treated my studying kind of like a job so on the weekends it's like an eight-hour shift of working and then figuring out what time I can take my breaks so just having a consistent routine with that really helped make a difference for me.
0: I mean and and sometimes it's like I am it's actually a shift at actual work and then a shift at CPA work. <laughs> yes. so, so I mean, like to be <laughs> clear, like within the accounting profession, like there will be times where that is happening, but it's also just like, you gotta push through and you gotta like stick to the schedule that you set. Cause if not, then you will like keep pushing it and kicking the can down the road. Um, what advice would you give someone that, that is thinking about sitting or who is currently sitting?
1: Yeah, so I can go there. Um, so I'll talk about more so along the lines of the last part I took. So I was actually three parts in, um, and a little bit more about my story. I ended up taking a sabbatical um, from the job I was at at the time. That didn't quite work out for me. Um, after that, I ended up being on a flex work schedule. So with that schedule, I think I worked three to four days in the week, but you still have to like make the full forty. For your work week, um, they just concise your schedule to three or four days and then you're off that one extra day to study. So as I was um, going through that process, neither of those things worked for me. So then after I ended up um, leaving the firm and for like a month and a half, all I did was like study for that. When I left the firm, I had two parts passed. for that month and a half. When I studied, I passed an additional part. So I was three parts in. Um, When I started my second firm, I didn't have all the parts passed, but I knew I wasn't quite ready to leave big four at that time. Mm -hmm. I just knew I couldn't go back to audit because I was struggling to pass an audit. So when I started back up with them, I ended up going to a concert in Philly. Um, Most of you (laughs) may have heard of (laughs) Made in America. Mm -hmm. That was a big mistake for me because I was literally um, two sessions away from losing another part. But I was like, you know what? I can study on the train. I can study, you know, in between breaks of what we're doing. Got there. um, I had my books, but I wasn't really studying. So I got back, took the exam, ended up failing. So I was really on the clock at that point. I had one more time to take it before I lost the part. So around that November timeframe of 2016, I ended up um, retaking the exam again. But prior to taking it, you know, I went through a full blown fast. um, I got a tutor, like I did everything I could do to really pass this last part of the exam. But one thing I, but one thing I ended up doing, so I had this little piece of paper. And for me, this goes into the advice piece. Um, You have to like envision it for yourself. I had a piece of paper and it read Mavis J. Robinson, J being my middle initial. And then it had a comma and it had CPA. So when I got back and I ended up failing, I marked out, you know, um, I think at the time it had like September 2016. Mm -hmm. So I ended up not passing in September. So I marked out to 2016 and I marked it as November of 2016. Like that's when I'm declaring I'm going to be a CPA. So when I went and I took the exam, I ended up passing. So I guess I say that to say, you know, write it down on paper, Mm -hmm. like you have to really want that thing and you have to do the things to get there to getting it. Like for me, yeah, I made a mistake of going to made in America, but then after that, you know, thankfully I learned from my mistake on time and I ended up getting, um, the CPA exam. But I think the other piece of advice is, you know, just find that network that supports you through that because I had a strong network, both professionally and within my family. Um, and just
0: keep at it. Awesome. That's so great. Like I like I thank you for sharing your story because it really it really to me it it still inspires me. Thank you for your advice. Yelena, are, is there any advice that you would give us um or give someone who is currently sitting or thinking about sitting for the exam? Um, what would be that advice for you?
2: Um my number one bit of advice is don't give up. It's not an easy process, but at the end it's completely worth it. Um, and I think going through the process, it's important to speak up. Um, I think it helped me to let my team and, like, my managers know that I was studying for it. And so that I wasn't really going through it alone. And I think it helped with um, maybe my flexible work schedule. My manager was really nice with letting me take time off to study if I needed to. Um, and also being with that support group, like, me studying, letting other people know I was studying and they helped keep me accountable. So I think that was a really important part for me. Um, And I just don't be discouraged. Also in working in my environment, I had to deal with a lot of people that were like, oh, I passed the, the CPA in four exams the first try and kind of discouraged me a little bit because I was wondering like, why can't I pass this exam and everyone else is passing it around me. So just don't give up and just don't let any people around you discourage you.
0: That's, that's also really good to hear. Cause uh, I know it's like really fulfilling now because the group of us who were all studying um, at the same time, it's like so great to see us all like licensed now and to see what people are doing. So it's it's just really exciting. And it's like full circle to just see, like, I, Uh, the Issa shirt. I'm rooting for everyone Black. I'm rooting for everyone. (laughs) Like We all came together and we're just like, we're going to pass this. So that's awesome. One other thing uh, that I wanted, I I know you spoke about how rewarding or how fulfilling it was at the end. So I guess what was the most rewarding part of being licensed for you?
2: Well, first of all, knowing that all of my hard work finally amounted to something that all the times that I thought that I was going to give up that it came to fruition so obviously being able to like have my cpa license and physically be able to see it and use my the title was rewarding but it's also a reminder to me that i didn't give up and it wasn't an easy process for me so i don't know just being able to to see that i was able to make it through was just over it's like rewarding experience for me
0: Awesome. And Mavis, um, how about for you? For me,
1: I guess I would say, you know, we oftentimes hear the phrase, there's beauty in every struggle. And for me, it built a lot of character. Um, you know, back when I was in school, I was used to making good grades if I studied hard. But, you know, going through the CPA process for four long years, it was like, okay, I don't even know if I can do this thing. What do I need to do? Um, differently to get through this. So for me, it was a lot of, you know, patience, perseverance, so character building. And I think the other part is it opened up a lot of new opportunities for me. You know, you oftentimes have recruiters that are reaching out to you as a second year associate or so, but then once you get that CPA, like you have endless opportunities. So
0: for me, it's been a lot of things. Especially now, uh, and we could probably do a whole nother episode on just like becoming a manager within a big four firm and like what that really means um, as far as career advancement. Mm-hmm. But like, I know specifically once the CPA, like I updated my LinkedIn to put the comma CPA behind my name, then I was just like, oh, this is what people's <laughs> LinkedIn DMs look like. <laughs> uh, so that was uh, that was actually really uh, another rewarding piece for me too. Um Tiffany, what about you?
3: So I I got an immediate um I had immediate financial impact. I was literally um within a month, I had a job offer that was paying like 20,000 more. It was like a lateral move. It oh. was like I on the same job but just for $20,000 more. So it was like immediate. Um and I took it. So um that that piece of course look, because you want I think like everyone else said, you want to not only see your financial reward and feel the satisfaction of, you know, the, the self-esteem part of it, or how it makes you feel, it makes you feel good, but you also want like the financial reward of it too. Um, right. so that was, that was, um, a big, uh, reward because I think sometimes the question is, you know, well, I'm going through all these, um, I'm going through the challenge of taking this test. Like, will it really be worth it? And so I feel like I immediately saw that it was worth it and haven't looked back. That's great,
0: and that's also really just good to hear and encouraging. I know uh, I did not get a twenty k bump in like for a lateral (laughs) move, but you know, if it's (laughs) happening for others, maybe it'll happen. It maybe it'll happen for these new candidates. Uh, (laughs) um, So earlier in the episode, we referenced the demographic data published by the AITPA's Trends Report, but we all know that business today is not going to look like it does tomorrow. And so the skills required for the workforce today won't look the same in the future. So I guess the question is now that you have the CPA and out of, out of the way and under your belt, like how are you sharpening your skills to say up to date on your technical skills?
1: Okay. So for me, um, I think like within my firm, every time I see a training come out, like one being process automation, I try to make sure that I'm engaged in those trainings. Um, I'm learning new things. I haven't quite started working on another certification, but, you know, as I get opportunities within the firm, I'll sign up for like different trainings. Yes.
2: So, I mean, through my firm and stuff, I do need to keep up with all my CPEs. So I have countless number of CPE credits that I need to keep up with and after the CPA, I have considered, and I am going to start studying for the CGFM. So that's what's next for me.
0: I mean, and the CGFM is, it's like, since you're, you're in the government or federal practice, it seems like another certification that's like very industry right. driven. Awesome. So I mean, that's another really good way to like diversify yourself within a specific industry. Tiffany, what about you? So I actually um, do uh, consulting work, and
3: so one of the certifications that um, I'm interested in taking sometime soon is the it's there's in the AICP has the advisory services certification, which pretty much kind of certifies that you are a mm-hmm. consultant basically. <laughs> So um, that that's pretty much um, what I have an interest in. But I think like the beauty about being an accountant or being in the accounting field is that we have so many options and opportunities. You can do audit, you can do, you know, just regular public accounting, you can do private, government. So I feel like my taste for what I have had an interest in has changed over the last few years. And so I just kind of try to stay open to following what, what interests me. And then doing any type of certification around that particular interest at a time, because it can't necessarily hurt. Right.
0: Earlier, you said you, you took the certification or a certification through the AICPA on, um, or you were thinking about taking that certification. I did the um, data analyst certifications um, through the AICPA and and I thought that that was really cool. Specifically for me, I like I like technology. I love looking at data, and I love like breaking down like trends to understand like the drivers. So I think I see my career going into like a analysis or economics route. And so that's why I, I feel like my own personal answer to this is kind of like I've just been trying to read and absorb absorb as much knowledge from like others around me. As long as I'm like surrounding myself with content that's like within the industry, I feel like I'm only building my skill set. We, I guess, we have time for one last question, and and it, we touched on some advice earlier, but I guess any final words of encouragement for people who are studying for the exam or thinking about doing it, um, thinking about sitting, what what would you say to somebody who's on the fence? I
3: think that the exam in itself, just because of sometimes four stories can be a little bit intimidating. So I would say just, um, be open and, um, do your best and give yourself some grace because, you know, just, there are plenty of people who pass first round and then there are other people who, you know, it may take some time. And so don't do like the comparison of like, if that person did it in this amount of time and putting like, unrealistic expectations around yourself, because I feel like that just adds more pressure. So like kind of giving, my advice would be to give yourself some grace, no matter where you are in the process.
0: That's, that's really good advice. I like that. Um, And what about you, Mavis? I know you were uh, going to say.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess I would say if they're on the fence, like make sure you go back and reassess if it's really for you. Like you don't want to start an exam because someone else says, hey, I think you should be a CPA or, you know, someone else's thoughts for you. I think, you know, it's hard as you start to get into the exam and then you figure out, like, maybe this thing is not what I really wanted for myself. Like, it's easier to quit then. So just go back and reassess if it's really for you. And once you get started and you determine that it is for you, just um, stick to it.
0: Like like, we, we just let others influence our individual actions so it's really good to make sure that what you're doing is like purpose-driven it's in line with what you see for yourself and for your career and not because of other people yelena what about you just
2: to echo the message i've been saying earlier don't give up and also just know like once it's done it's done it's just a kind of a hard process but once it's done you'll never have to worry about going through and sitting for these exams again. And I think it's helpful to maybe learn about other people's journeys to CPA. And, you know, people have been in similar situations where it may not have been the easiest, but maybe it helps just to talk to other people and hear their experiences as well.
0: Great. Um, so I think that this is a good point to wrap up the show. Um, I did see earlier this week, um, there's or maybe not even earlier this week. There's just been a lot of news going um back and forth around when the exam like people will be able to start sitting for the exam. It was postponed because of corona and social distancing, but it sounds like Prometric made an announcement earlier this week that uh exam candidates will be able to start testing again on a on a market by market basis starting on May 1st. So, um I'd encourage anyone who's thinking about taking the exam or who's in the process to familiarize yourself with um, how it's affecting you locally. Make sure you're staying in contact with your state board of accountancy, and then just tap into the network. NABA itself is a network, but like we have an accounting profession that is very, very, very broad and full of people who are willing to help. So find someone who's who you look up to who you feel can provide you some advice um, and make sure like, and you want people who are going to be honest with you. So if you find someone, I think that that kind of makes the process a little bit easier. Um, So with that, we'll wrap up. And thank you for listening to today's episode of Accounting for Us.